Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast. We're your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week, we explore a different perspective on or experience of depression because it varies in form and severity, affecting us differently. Our guests share intimate details of their struggles, coping strategies, and recovery. We keep it real because the struggle is real. We keep it hopeful because there is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We're not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and know that talking about the illness reduces stigma and humanizes the experience, making it safer and easier to ask for needed support. You are far from alone. Hi, Bridget. Hi, Terry. So, you know, when we started this podcast, we approached it with open minds and open hearts instead of having a rigid plan for or even a clear idea of the types of stories people would share with us. We didn't know how deeply guests would be willing to dig and how honestly they would divulge details of their struggles so that they could connect with and help others who are total strangers also with depression. Or how much we would learn from every single person that we've talked to, Terry. Mm -hmm. And another thing that we never expected was to discover not just power, but true beauty in some of the stories that we've been trusted to share. Mm. Today is one of those stories. Back in December, in an episode that you may have missed during the holidays, we spoke with Dan, who earned a master's degree in counseling psychology, and yet was still very resistant to sharing his struggles with depression. Holding it in proved to be too much. Suicidal, Dan was hospitalized last year. That experience convinced him that he needed to, in his words, do something and keep doing that something. The something that he chose was to share his story. He did so publicly for the first time with us. I I don't think I would have been at this point had I not listen to your podcast. When I heard other people, I, I said, you know, they're just like me. I can do this too. And this is what I need to do. I need to stop trying to hide because it's just taking too much away from from my life. Talking about it takes away the power that it has. It takes away the stigma and the, the shame and guilt that goes along with this. Among the many who listened to that episode, which we'll link to, was Dan's son, Kendall, who also lives with depression. Empowered by his father's choice, he reached out to us, proving once again that when we take the bold step of sharing our truth, we open the door for others to do the same. So today, here is Dan's son, Kendall, giving his voice to depression. So, Kendall, tell me why you wanted to talk. I'm curious to know what about your story you wanted to share, having listened to others and hopefully seen the value in listening. Well, I think um, my my dad being a part of the podcast was a really big step for him, which kind of came back to me because, you know, I feel that I'm not that I'm healed because I, I don't feel that we ever stop living with depression, but um, I think that you can go through different levels and, and transition to different periods of it. And I think I'm going into a period where I want to start helping other people. He kind of sparked that in me, taking a, a huge step for him, especially in the short period of time that he's learned how to deal with depression by talking publicly about it. Um, I've always been pretty open about it with friends, and I've become a lot more open about it with my family. And 
I too have never spoken about it this publicly. So it's a bit of a, a step towards more healing, I guess. What was it like hearing your dad talk about it on a podcast? Um, it's it's interesting because despite what he says, he can put on the type A personality. He can he can be very outgoing. He's very well spoken. So that's just I don't know, kind of pleasing to hear, I suppose. But uh, it was also tough because um, you know hindsight's twenty twenty. I should have seen some of the signs, but just didn't. And it's it's really tough to know that he was going through that and that I couldn't help him because I just didn't know. But at the same time, you know, I was smiling and tearing up at the same time because I was very happy that he, he took that step because, you know, a lot of people just can't make that leap. But like I said, it was it was really tough to hear that he was hurting and just wasn't sharing or didn't feel comfortable sharing with any of us. I keep thinking of loosening the mayonnaise jar. Did your dad talking make it easier for you to want to or to, to be able to? Oh, yeah. I don't think that him him opening up loosened the jar. I think it just took the cap right off. And he he and I talk frequently about how he's feeling, and I think we're making a lot of strides um, just in our relationship and, and his ability to share um, just by talking about it. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's specific about anything. It's just having the conversation and and starting to touch on those things that are uncomfortable. It's really nice to hear. You know, if our anything else hurt, right, we'd say, yeah, my back hurts so much today. And somebody would say, you know, do you want me to heat up the heating pad or whatever? And for whatever reason, this illness we're all supposed to just bear alone, which makes it so much worse. Absolutely. And I, and I think, uh, you know, starting at this level, kind of a, a grassroots level almost, and talking he and I talking, people on the podcast talking is making leaps and strides towards the right direction of getting more people open and willing to have these conversations. Kendall is willing to not only have, but share about a really intimate conversation that he and his father had just after he was released from the hospital. I don't know how many times I ran through the conversation I was going to have with my dad when, uh, I found out his, that he was depressed, and then I had the conversation with him, and it was nothing what I expected, and it ended up being great. We, we talked for probably two and a half hours and laughed. And Can I ask you more about that conversation with your dad? I'll, I'll do my best. My okay, memory is not okay. Great, and anything you I don't want to say, there's, I'm not pushing you anywhere you don't want to go, so just say, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. But oh, no, no. Tell me when you were running it through your head what you expected it to be. I, I still expected him to uh, to kind of push it aside. And when he was in the hospital, he, he and I talked, and I, I kind of got the impression that he was hearing me, but he wasn't comfortable yet actually listening to what I was describing to him because the type of depression he has is similar to what I have, I think. And the experiences he was describing, I just kept saying, I know how you feel. I, I know what that feels like, and this is what I did or you know, this is this is how I handled that situation. But that conversation he and I had sitting on their front porch was totally different. Um, we just talked. You know, I'd, I'd ask, why did you feel like you, you couldn't talk to anybody about it? And, um, and his family just kind of didn't talk about those things. And I don't 
think it was that it was on purpose. I think it was maybe a product of the times, but being able to talk to him about it and it just felt really good. And, and, and I could see that in his eyes and in the way that he was describing everything that he was just becoming more comfortable with being uncomfortable with what we were talking about. There is a quote that being heard is so close to being loved that most people can't distinguish between them. And envisioning that in my head, a father and a son sitting on a porch having a really intimate conversation like that, it must have been all the things you say, uncomfortable and, and, and unusual, but really loving too, really powerful. You know, Terry, I think the the biggest thing I struggled with and, and maybe the reason I I hesitated so much with talking to him was when I went through my darkest periods, you know, both of my parents, while I wasn't totally open with them about what was going on, they were extremely supportive and, and they've always been supportive of, of everything we've done. I don't know. I grew up in a happy house to, to kind of almost turn that on its head and hear that my dad was struggling with depression all his life was scary to me. And and I know that he said this because it's something that I've always felt. You know, I don't feel like I should be depressed. And I think a lot of people have that of, I don't feel like there's any reason for me to be depressed. I think a lot of people almost feel guilty about it. And there's a another quote, I'm big on quotes, that says, while we look around at our many blessings and say, how could I possibly be depressed? I'm the most ungrateful, you know, little brat. But nobody with asthma looks around and says, look at all this air. How could I possibly be struggling to breathe? You know, it's an illness. Good quote. Yeah. Tell me about yours. Depression makes you talk to yourself in your own voice, which, of course, makes it tons easier to believe as truth. What does yours tell you? You know, it's uh, it's just everything negative that you don't want to think about, or that you, mm-hmm. you try to um, you try to overcome with positive thoughts. It's just the complete opposite of that. Because you know, when I hear everybody I interview saying, you know, that it's essentially, you know, you're just not good enough. You know, whatever you think is good about you isn't as good as you thought, and what's bad about you is worse than you think. And you know, you may or may not have inherent value, uh, maybe a burden, all those kinds of things. For us, my sister and I talking about this, we wondered if people realized how unoriginal depression is. If you learned that 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 bully is saying the same crap to everybody else on the playground, if you would give it less power, or if when we're in it, we don't have that kind of clarity. I I think it's more the latter. I I Mm -hmm. think it's hard no matter uh, what your uh, ability to realize it is, it's still hard to change your mind from from thinking that way, no, no matter how many other people are thinking that way. And, and I'm not sure why that is. So what do you do when you find yourself depressed? How do you recognize when you're in it or getting into it? And, and how do you get out? I think it's, it's tough to recognize when I'm in it sometimes. I think we all have that, but I actually do probably the the wrong thing, I guess, and, and I remove myself. I do woodworking on the side and as a hobby, so I, I just absorb myself into whatever projects I'm working on, and 
play music, play podcasts, and, and kind of distract my mind from the thoughts and focus on solving the problem of the project and focusing on the, the music in my ears and pretty much distract myself and, and let my mind almost reset. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know why you think that's the wrong thing. I mean, I don't know what's right and wrong, but that sounds great to me. It sounds a lot better than drinking or crawling into bed or, you know, getting angry with the people around you. You're being creative and sounds pretty damn good to me. So your family as a whole, you said your sister, am I allowed to say that? Sure. Okay. Your sister also has experienced depression. So it's at least the three of you. Is there now, I don't know, is there more hope that when one of you dips in it, A, someone will notice and B, might intervene? Yes, I I think for sure. I mean, between my sister and I alone, we looked out for each other uh, a lot more when she found out I was struggling. And even my other sister, she, she reached out more often to both of us. And I think that how that we know my dad's struggling and we can use what we know to help him. And, and I think you're right. It's going to make it easier to, to talk and notice when something's up, when we need to step in and just say, hey, I, I, you know, you, you've been quiet lately. What's going on? Something like that. I think the word really after how are you might be the single best tool we have as just, you know, regular old people. Because you say, how are you? Everybody says fine. You know, if you just look at them and say, really, like you said, you know, you're, you've been quiet lately or whatever, and you, you let them know you actually do want to know. I think that's a gift. It's really quite rare. I think uh, it's funny that you mentioned that I went to Germany for a little while in high school. And in, in the German culture, they don't typically ask, how are you, the way we do. They don't expect everybody to just say, oh, I'm fine or you know, nothing's, nothing's up. If you ask somebody how they are, you should expect a 30-minute response <laughs> of, of their life story. I was just so fascinated by that. I, and I'm, I'm totally guilty of this, asking somebody how they are and, and not really thinking twice about the response they're going to give me. Mm-hmm. I'm, and I've tried to make some changes in, in how I ask that question. And, and maybe you're right. Adding really to the end of it is a good start. Okay. Cool. Thank you so much for talking. I'm really glad you reached out and... I think it's quite a father-son experience. Well, thank you, Sarah. I, I'm glad that my dad was able to, to get something out of your interview. I know you don't like that word, but um, <laughs> I, I'm so happy that, that he's found the podcast. And I'm happy that I, I found it as well. And I think what you guys are doing is, is great. It's just the more people who talk about it, the more normal it is to talk about it. And all of a sudden you realize that when you say, I have depression, someone doesn't look at you like you have a third eye. They say, I do too. Kind of like you and your father having that discussion on the porch. You know, all the things we're afraid someone's going to think or say. By not talking, we promote the stigma. You know, you don't have to keep something secret that isn't shameful. I don't know. That's my thought because I'm not ashamed of it. I just have it. It just is what it is. I'm struck by the reality, Terry, that when we do our own personal work to learn to better love and accept ourselves, that we're not just affecting our future, but that we're affecting the future of many generations to come. And I believe that's what we're here to do. It's hmm. a really good point. Because the more comfortable, you know, Dan becomes comfortable, his son then becomes comfortable. If and when he has children, you know, he will probably speak more openly with them. 
the sisters are affected, his friends are affected, yeah. their friends. I mean, it just, it's a really, truly a ripple effect. Yeah, it really is. I love the, his phrasing when he said, you become more comfortable with being uncomfortable talking my about. My favorite. Yeah, wasn't it great? Yeah, absolutely perfect true. perfect way to say it. And a really sweet sidebar here, the uh, Dan and Kendall's family, I won't say their last name, um, has a donation jar for their favorite charities. And this is the third year that they have done it. And they gave it to us in 2018. So we have become their favorite charity and we're grateful for that. Awesome. So sweet. Well, it helps, and that'll help other people, too. It just keeps going on. It does indeed. So thank you very much to both father and son for being willing to open up and share your story, knowing that it will help others because Dan saw that it helped Kendall, and Kendall's going to see that it helps others, too. So thanks to you both. Mm, thanks, Terry. Thank you, Bridgie. Love you. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.